I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in, episode 119 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz. You can catch me over on Twitter at FFEvanLution. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates, or you can even drop an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, things you love, things you hate, things you want to hear more of or less of about the show, go on and let me know. This is the last episode with the wonderful Ian hard hits unfortunately he wasn't able to finish up the division but we were able to get the atlanta falcons in there so yay go team as you know if you've been listening i suppose this week if not go back and listen um these episodes with ian were recorded right at the very end of july right before i was on holiday for three weeks so appreciate your patience there and wanted to keep getting you that sweet sweet content especially with a man as wonderful as ian himself he is the host of pff fantasy show and just an all-around good dude smart guy and knows his stuff hopefully you enjoy this breakdown of the atlanta falcons i know i sure did the main event fight right we're back again we're talking the nfc south we have already covered the bucks and the saints go back check that out if you missed it i am joined this week by absolute stud muffin absolute dog ian hartitz from pff at iHartitz on twitter go check it out if you don't already i can't imagine you don't but you should guys we are talking atlanta falcons today before you throw up in your mouth it is actually going to be some fun we're going to have some good chat we're going to find some value there so uh yeah we are going through every team in the division this is the final division we're breaking down we're going to be talking sort of what happened last year any major changes we're going to talk about some projections for this year and then try and give you some players to go out and get on the roster uh for atlanta we're gonna start out here just looking at a couple of the changes though and see what we can find out about these guys they finished seven and ten last year third in the division head coach arthur smith and oc dave ragon staying no major changes there calvin ridley it's almost like feels like it was like three years ago we heard about this but it was actually this offseason calvin ridley suspended for all of 2022 for gambling on the nfl that is a shame. Um, they did sign Damian Williams, one-year contract. Cordero Patterson, they brought back on a two-year contract. I'm sure Ian is a big fan of that move. Sir. Ten and a half million. Um, Marcus Mariota, they brought in two-year deal, eighteen point seven five million. Quadre Olison on a one-year deal. They brought in another one of Ian's heartthrobs, Auden Tate, on a one-year deal. Um, this must be like I would, uh, I would have to imagine Ian's second team at this point. Um, sadly, Matt Ryan, Matty Ice himself, got traded to the Indianapolis Colts for basically a bag of chips. Uh, they in the draft, they made a couple of interesting moves. They drafted Drake London in the first round, who was my pre-draft wide receiver two barely right behind Garrett Wilson so I really like that move for them they also drafted Desmond Ritter in the third round um, which I like him I think it'll be interesting to see how he goes there Tyler Algier in the fifth round running back out of BYU and John Fitzpatrick in the sixth round so they did release 
Quadzilla Mike Davis himself. He has gone and signed with Baltimore Ravens, and they traded for much maligned Twitter darling Brian Edwards from the Las Vegas Raiders. A lot of movement, not so much with the coaching staff, but a lot of ins and outs there on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to throw over to Ian. Ian, aside from you know how much you love Cordero Patterson and you love Auden Tate, like how are you feeling about the Falcons? Is there any hope whatsoever that this is going to be a fun or exciting team this year? Probably not, but I think we could have a couple fun, exciting offensive players on a terrible uh, real-life team. So that's all we can really hope for because, look, we got Drake London, the wide receiver one in the class, and there's a lot made out of his you know, ability to separate or this and that. But, I mean, it was just one of those things where, like, you know, we're arguing about if the guy's like the wide receiver one or like the wide receiver three. So I don't think anyone's denying that he wasn't a great uh, prospect. Now, can he, you know, really just rise with Marcus Mariota or Ritter under center remains to be seen. But man, the way these uh, quarterback rooms seem to be shifting offseason to offseason, it's not hard to imagine the Falcons finding, you know, a better long-term replacement sooner rather than later. I think the Mariota deal really just shows that, you know, this is really a one-year thing. And the third-round pick on Ritter shows that obviously he's not being trusted as the future as well. So this is a team that, you know, maybe could be in contention for the Bryce Young, CJ Strouds of the world um, early and often next year. And then all of a sudden, we're getting a lot more hyped about Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and some of these other guys involved. So the one point I I would make, though, for – people that haven't been you know tracking like every single offseason signing and just monitoring every depth chart like Cordero Patterson is the guy and you know you can look at the NBC Sports Edge blurb saying that Tyler Algier has a chance to start like the it's just we got to be so careful with some of these beat um writer articles because a lot of them aren't coming they're not based on any sort of coaching quotes their opinions and I'm not saying their opinions are bad or anything but we have one line pulled from that. And then the next paragraph, the beat writer says that the Falcons are going to try to get as much out of Cordero Patterson as they can this year. And they might be using him more a wide receiver. Like that's great. He's a running back. We want targets. We don't care about rush attempts. Like again, and it's just don't, when you see something like this, that is seemingly shifting the market, depending on a guy, I know it's 2022, but just click it. Click the link and read the freaking article. It'll take you a minute and you'll actually know what's going on about it. So here's the running back room. Cordero Patterson is getting $5 million guaranteed. Tyler Algier is a fifth round pick. Damian Williams is getting $500,000 guaranteed. Quadri Olsen, $35,000 guaranteed. Jerry McNichols, Caleb Huntley, $0 guaranteed. It's going to be the CPAT show, man. And I know it's easy to be like, oh, where was this before in his career? Last year was the first time he ever even got triple digit touches in a season. So it's just a situation where I, I think the concerns about CPAT are people not looking enough into the situation for a understandably pretty boring team. I mean, not including kick returns and all that, man, like Jonathan Taylor already has more career offensive touches than Cordero Patterson. So if there ever was going to be an exception to, you know, an over the 30 year old running back, not having all that much wear and tear on him, I do think it could be CPAT. And they say, well, what happened at the back end of last year? Weeks one through nine, before he sprained his ankle against the Cowboys, he was the RB7 overall, RB6 per game. Weeks 12 through 18, comes back, plays through the pain. You know, when when Derrick Henry and DeAndre Swift miss time, we don't hold that against them. But when Zeke and Cordero Patterson play through the pain, we say, oh, no, look, they suck now. Even then, though, RB20 overall, RB31 per game. Right now, underdog, man, he's going RB37. So all these concerns that people have are just really being priced into it. At this point, the only cheaper starting running back in redraft fantasy football is whoever the hell is going to win out in Houston. 
we have not seen nearly as high of a ceiling in Houston as we saw in Atlanta, where it's like, yeah, it's going to be Mariota under center. But let's face it, this last year, even with Matt Ryan under center, it's not like it was this offensive haven. I mean, this was a 26-ranked scoring offense. They averaged 18.4 points per game. Now, I, I get it. I don't think Mariota's could do much better than that. But with the lack of competition at hand, man, Core Daryl Patterson. And yeah, I'm the president of his fan club. I've been spitting a lot of facts here. Even a, even a hater, even a <laughs> hater would have to agree with me. Right I love it. Yeah, see, Ian is the fantasy analyst we need, not the fantasy analyst we deserve. <laughs> He's reminding us of our our bias. You got to get your bias out of here, get it out of there, because I feel like that is a lot of what happens in preseason and in the off season is confirmation bias. Like people look for what article they want to encourage their take. Um, obviously. I'll do that as well whenever it suits me. But, you know, if no, if it doesn't suit your narrative, no, I agree with you 100%. Um, I, I think well, we're just going to have a quick look here, dive into some stats because I'm curious to see what we could try and piece together, what we can expect of this offense. You've already mentioned it. Matt Ryan's gone. That's a big part of the puzzle, but the coaching staff is still there. And Arthur Smith does have a familiarity with Marcus Mariota from back in Tennessee. So last um, last year, we already touched on it, 18th in pace of play, sort of middle of the pack, 28th in DVOA, so pretty bad, couldn't get much worse. Um, DVOA, simply just an advanced statistic, talks about defensive defensive adjusted value over average, which, again, it just means basically – the bunch of smart people looking at all the plays, looking at the season as a whole and saying, this is what this team accomplished this is what they should have accomplished. And then ranking all the teams one to 32. So the team is literally almost blast in DVOA, not good. And then when we look at the run and pass success rate, again, um, it's not great. It doesn't paint a very pretty picture success rate. Again, just means a play is considered successful when it gains at least 40% of yards to go on first down, 60% of yards to go on a second down, or 100% of yards to go on third or fourth down. Atlanta, 41% run success, which is 31st in the league, and 46% pass success, which is 17th in the league. Combined run and pass success plays of 44%, which is 28th in the league. So it was pretty bad all the way around. Uh, they were 19th in target volume, so they still threw the ball quite a lot, as you can imagine, being behind quite a lot of the time. They were 32nd in their percentage of targets to the wide receiver position, which they had a pretty bad wide receiver core last year. Calvin Ridley missed most of the year. Russell Gage was beat up a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, Olamides, Zacchaeus, guys like that weren't getting a lot of targets. They were second in percentage to the running backs 26.7 percent which is great for Cordero Patterson as we already mentioned and second to the tight ends at 29 percent so there's quite a lot going on there their offensive line is pretty pretty bad I've just had a look there at the PFF projected offensive line rankings 28th I believe so again pretty pretty bad um, not great Bob and honestly I was curious so I'm really concerned about the whole Marcus Mariota thing as well. I looked back to see there is a crossover there. Arthur Smith was the offensive coordinator in 2019. Um, that was when sort of, you know, he got replaced. So when Mariota got replaced with Tannehill, so he was in charge weeks one to six and they were 31st in pass percentage success rate when he was there. And then once they got replaced from week seven to 17, they were second. So it absolutely skyrocketed up. So I'm a little bit concerned to say the least, um, where are you at? Like on, on a scale of one to 10 Ian fantasy wise, how, how confident are you in any of these pieces for your, for your teams in 2022? Like a two, no reason to be the pecking order at wide receivers, completely unknown behind Drake London. Even with Drake London, we don't know if him or Kyle Pitts is going to be able, excuse me, to uh, take over enough to make up for just the, uh, 
probably net negative they're going to have under center and Mariota's um, respect. We had the one game with the Raiders where Carr was out for most of it. And then we actually saw Mariota, you know, pick up like 80 rushing yards and he looked like the best version of himself, honestly, in that one game, but man, having a five year sample size with a team that again, we saw really just go the next level immediately when Ryan Tannehill, someone that, had flashed a little bit in Miami, but not especially uh, just really concerned for Mariota, particularly from a fantasy perspective. I mean, looking at him points per game, uh, fantasy wise, QB 17, QB 12, QB 23, QB 33 and QB 30. The dude averaged 12.5 fans. Like the dude couldn't even crack 13 fantasy points per game in 2018 and 2019, unless they really just look at this offense and Arthur Smith says like, we are going to run Marcus Mariota like he is, you know, freaking Lamar Jackson out there. I don't know how he gets there. I understand Mariota is a solid dual threat, but again, where was this the first five years of his career when like, that's what he, he had Arthur Smith when he had the, uh, you know, every reason in the world to try to be the best uh, version of himself. So I just was so much uncertainty there. I'm I'm not out on Kyle Pitts where, where he's going and redraft. And obviously, you know, we talked about before potential for this team to be bad and solve their quarterback problem next off season. So dynasty wise, I wouldn't be that down on London or Pitts uh, just because of the potential 2022 struggles, but just for this season alone, man, t- tough to be overly confident at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it is UGLY. It's not a good time. I'm not excited about it. I'd probably, yeah, say about a four, four and a half as far as confidence. I feel fairly confident just in the volume that London and Pitt should get, should buoy their value a little bit. But man, it's going to be hard to, it's going to be, it's going to be tough sledding as far as actual players. So if we have to, you know, if I'm going to force you at, at gunpoint here, Ian, to pick a player to get on your team from the Atlanta Falcons. So again, let's, t- let's think dynasty. Um, who are you trying to get in, swoop in and, and grab? up here for your dynasty squad i mean you know it's just such a weird offense there's there's like two relevant players like let's be honest we have kyle pitts and we have drake london i love my guy cpat he's going to be out of the you know could potentially be out of an offensive role as early as next year for this year alone i would just say you know don't discount what Patterson can uh, can bring the table, you know, for the reasons I kind of listed um, earlier. But in terms of just expecting Brian Edwards, even my guy Auden Tate to uh, really take a next step here, it, it's it's just tough, man. This seems like a classic offense that's just only going to add more pieces at wide receiver and running back in the coming years. I'd say if anything, uh, chill out on Tyler Algier, particularly in Dynasty. This is still a fifth round running back, and you know, at the end of the day, running backs drafted outside top three rounds, not only just as rookie but just overall throughout their careers uh you know the hits are really few and far uh few, few and far between you know I, I love when people say like who's gonna be this year's version of james robinson like try this decades version of james robinson like we don't see that happen hardly ever man yeah you can say philip Lindsay. like again you're naming like two of like the six times that a non day one or day two running back has thrived as a rookie literally over the past decade so tyler algier Hey, maybe he can win the job. You know, he doesn't have that much competition uh, uh, early on. But to me, it's similar as like guys like Rashad White, where there could be Rashad White at least has day two draft capital. So it'd probably be more so guys like Hassan Haskins, Isaiah Spiller. Be open to the idea. Please don't go out on a limb to get this guy that very possibly could just be buried on the depth chart throughout his entire career. Yeah. And I think, you know, a really recent example of this 
is Michael Carter. I mean, he was he was great last year when he got a chance, and I really liked him. And I think Michael Carter was more talented than Tyler Algier. But look at he got replaced the very next year. <laughs> Brees Hall comes in, second round draft capital, absolute stud. Um, yeah, and now Michael Carter is not worthless in dynasty, but he's definitely taken a massive hit in his in his value. So hundred percent agree with you. Um, if you can, you know, if if Tyler Algier gets the role. If you can flip him for profit, I certainly would. Same with all these other guys because the chances are, yeah, you might miss, but like the odds are are greatly in your favor <laughs> that you are going to at least make some sort of profit, which is what you want to do with these kind of like fourth, fifth, sixth round running backs. I agree with you. If I had to get somebody on my team, I like, I love Drake London a long term. I think he's a stud, but I looked at the the ADP. There's wild. He's wide receiver 13 at the minute in dynasty. I think that's insane. I think that's kind of, you, you, you kind of bought him at his ceiling, at his hopeful ceiling. You know, like if you're buying him as wide receiver 13 in a startup, you're literally hoping that, I mean, I don't see how he can hit those numbers with Mariota or Ritter, but you're just hoping that he does get an absolute upgrade next year and that he is the stud that we all hope he is. So I love Drake London. If you're able to get him in rookie draft, feel free knock yourself out but if you're in a startup i would not be taking him as as high as wide receiver 13 um, but i do agree cordell patterson i think we've slept on him i think the silly thing is about especially in dynasty i don't know if it's as bit as prevalent in what and redraft but i feel like we always want a, a breakout or, or or like this diamond in the rough and then when we get it we're like no that's no good I don't want that. And it's like, well, this is what you've been asking for. We've been asking to find somebody like Cordero Patterson. Now we got him and you're like, nah, he's no good. And you find a hundred reasons why he's going to be rubbish. He's going as like a RB at about RB 40 rate um, in a startup right now. So I think that a lot of people just assume that Tyler Algier is going to take over or whatever, whatever. And the truth is you can probably get him for like, you know, a third round pick or something like that for next year. It's certainly worth it. If you're in any way a contender, I think it, he'll definitely return value on RB 40 sort of prices. Um, we've already talked talked about it this is a pretty gross offense in general but is there anyone especially that you're looking to flip or get rid of ian before the season begins or as soon as you can once the season hits again probably uh, i'm not bailing on kyle pitts or drake london just because this year doesn't look uh, all that good um potentially so i would just say in redraft um kyle pitts and he's going about round three right now kelsey and andrews are the consensus top two and when you see pitts come around in round three that's usually when you have to go after him i'm not out on it if the right wide receivers are gone and you really like if it's a perfect draft in front of me basically i might take kyle pitts over some of the muddled wide receiver twos but my biggest takeaway so far has just been take george kittle two rounds later in my opinion he is the best tight end alive and i don't think anyone can make more out of 100 targets than george kittle and yeah we're concerned about the offense being more run heavy with trey lance and obviously he has to compete with debo and Ayuk. but you know with kyle pitts having to compete with drake london uh and also also an offense that could trend towards being rather run heavy. I'm not so sure the target projection is as stark as maybe we're making it out to be. Yeah, Trey Lance, a little bit erratic in his own right as a passer, at least from what we've seen so far. Uh, but just that yak ability Kittle has, man. So I'll be interested to see exactly where we fall on Kyle Pitts after this year because I know uh, he, he disappeared. It was a weird year, man. You go over a thousand yards and, you know, it's, it was still almost a disappointment just because of how high he was already uh, being drafted. You know, it's just kind of a 
victim of expectations, I guess uh, you could say. But, you know, you really start digging into what he was able to do a little more. You see him winning on the outside against the Dolphins, elite corners, and just a couple plays down the stretch. One against the Buccaneers where he, like, just barely stepped out of bounds on this, like, 70-yard yak monster uh, touchdown. Like, you start seeing the sort of flashes that made him, you know, such an enticing pick uh, in the first place. So, at a minimum, I'm confident by uh, this time next year he'll at least have more than uh, one touchdown, and I have a feeling it's going to come against someone other than a defensive end out there. So don't uh, definitely don't be fully out on these guys just yet. Still, I mean, dude, we don't see tight ends a lot of times put together their first big season like for years into the league. Uh, shout out to Pitts for already having one as good as it was under his belt. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, if I had to single out one player that I think you may be able to get some squeaks and value out of that you think you absolutely should, it would be Marcus Mariota. We've already talked about it. I am, I'm just no offense, but I just have no belief in him whatsoever as a long-term option, <laughs> especially in dynasty. I mean, he had his chance in Tennessee. He got ousted by Ryan Tannehill. He sat behind Derek, Derek Carr for a couple of years. He's got this chance here, but again, I just don't believe in it. And even if he gets the green light and you're in a super flex league and you can flip him for like a 23 second, or even you can add him and your 23 second and get a 23 first, something like that. I would love to do that. Um, because I just, I, I just don't, I think we could see Ritter, uh, by like five or six weeks into the season. They have a pretty tough opening schedule. there, quite a few difficult games. They don't really have anything to play for this year. They probably at least want to kick the tires on Ritter, see what they've got in him just to just on the off chance, you know, because again, he's actually fairly comparable to Mariota. He's a dual threat himself. He's very, he was the most athletic quarterback in the combine there that tested. Um, he has, uh, you know, a decent uh, deep ball at times, uh, you know, so I mean, there's not a lot that he probably can't do that Mariota can do. So they might want to see what they've got in him. What about just to tie a bow on it? It's been, a, I know it's been a slightly gross episode that we've had to go through here, but we've got to do it. We do it for the people. What about, do you have a bull prediction for the Atlanta Falcons here, Ian? I could see them being the worst team in the NFL. Like, I'm going to say three wins. I'm not sure what their over-under is, but pound that under. This was just one of the most overachieving teams in the league last year, and that was with Matt Ryan at quarterback. So, I mean, you look at just point differential, which I think tells a much better story about, like, how good teams actually were. Falcons were one of seven teams to have a triple-digit negative point differential, and they had seven wins somehow. The other teams had five, four, four, four three and three wins out here. So I do think that the Falcons, you know, it pro you know, you look at all these position groups and it's just like hard to be too optimistic. The defense doesn't look any better. I, I just think this is a year that the Falcons aren't particularly interested in winning, man. You look at teams like the Falcons, like the bears, like the Houston Texans. And you know, when every single offseason move is them shedding their good players and just not making any effort other than to kind of sign some veterans. Hey, when the volume is concentrated enough, which I do think it is in Cordero Patterson's case and probably London and Pitts's case, we can live with that. But expecting actual tangible real life results i am out on that idea and especially just you know i don't have any evidence uh statistically for this but it, to me when you have like arthur smith a coach that comes in last year like to compete seemingly like they were doing everything in their power to win and now you're keeping that and you're just, you're so obviously kind of preparing to lose just with this decisions you make. I, I think that's a lot tougher as opposed to someone like Dan Campbell coming into Detroit and being, you know, building up basically from the ground floor, like to go from contender to garbage and then trying to go back to contender with the same, same voice kind of telling you that the whole time. Again, just, just in my mind, that'd be aw awfully tough to wrap my, to, to kind of have confidence with as a player. 
Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think my my bull prediction is, like I said already, I think we see Desmond Ritter sooner rather than later. I think we'll probably see Desmond Ritter by week six. You know, We'll probably see what he's got just because I don't expect it to go well. I don't believe Mariota. He might have a game or two at the start of the season where, he, like you said, he's running around and, and making stuff happen. But I just don't I just don't believe in Mariota to be the answer. And so I, I could see I could see us getting a look at Ritter and seeing what he's all about um, by week six at the latest. So there you go, folks. Atlanta Falcons in the bag. Maybe go out and get you some sneaky deals if you can on some of these pieces. But don't expect too much. Don't expect too much for 2022. I draft zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver. Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate.